lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. We have an absolutely jam-packed show lined up for you today. But I have to begin with a, a big announcement. Christmas is 180 days away. Okay, I'm going to begin with a, another big announcement. We we came up with something kind of just for fun. You know, not like Nacho Libre with his stretchy pants. But um, we came up with something just for fun here on the show yesterday. And then during the commercial break, we were like, oh no, this is even more fun than we thought. And credit to... The mucky mucks here at the blaze who literally like within an hour of us coming up with this, uh, put this plan and this product into motion. And I have gotten numerous Google alerts about this. I have no idea how many of these we have sold already. I, I, I know I can't wait to get mine though. Right. Uh, we have launched a brand new piece of swag here at the blaze media merch store There it is, your new Ruth Bader Ginsburg pro-life hero t-shirt. And then on the back it says, couldn't have overturned Roe without her. If you want to get yours today, DACE10 is your promo code at checkout to get 10% off. When you go to shop.blazemedia.com, and they got all kinds of cool stuff there. I got to ask for more free shirts, by the way, looking at what's there right now. But uh, that's our newest edition to the Blaze Media Store at shop.blazemedia.com. We took the exact same RBG kind of viral imaging that the other side has been using to uh, to basically worship her the past few years. And we turned it around to give her the credit she so richly deserves because we could not have overturned Roe without her. So... um. I don't know that it's, you know, Matt Walsh renting a house in Virginia in order to speak at the school board, uh, <laughs> the school board meeting. But that, from, from a trolling standpoint, that, that's, I think, maybe the best gentleman that we have come up with here so far. Subtle. Yeah. That's what we do here. To Subtlety. Quote, to quote the great Incredible Hulk, puny God. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So get yours today at shop.blazemedia.com and Dace 10 is your promo code to get 10% off. All right, I mentioned we've got a jam-packed show today. Uh, Abby Johnson, uh, whose book Unplanned became the hit movie uh, that blew the whistle on Planned Parenthood. She will join us here at the bottom of the hour to talk about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. You know, I was on the set of her film as it was being made in the summer of 2018. And I mean, it was, you know, armed guard, uh, secret set in Stillwater, Oklahoma, Everybody was concerned that that Planned Parenthood would pull something to get the production shut down. Then, of course, you're worried about the crazies that, uh, you know, a ritualistic child murder as a movement attracts or uh, maybe perhaps instead nurtures. And I mean, it was a miracle to get that movie done and get it out. And I wonder how many people on that set thought that within the next four years, they would see Roe v. Wade overturned. And yet here we are. It's amazing. 
So we'll talk to Abby about that at the bottom of this hour. Uh, Matthew Peterson from Claremont Institute is going to join us uh, next hour as well to talk about the road forward here for those of us that live in what's left of America. And then for fake news or not, an old boss of mine uh, put out a Twitter thread. Uh, He is now a former deputy editor for USA Today. And he put out a Twitter thread explaining why. And really the, the, the destruction of one of the last real newspaper chains in America, one of the last places in America, it wasn't too many years ago, I was a contributor for USA Today. That's how I know. Dave Mastio. And uh, now, of course, um, they wouldn't dare publish anything by me unless it was literally um, uh, Donald Trump is a Nazi typed over and over and over again. How did this happen? Uh, Dave's Twitter thread lays it all out. And I think it is a cautionary tale that we all need to hear. So we will go through it for fake news or not coming up towards the end of the show. Um, If you like my glasses, I get a lot of comments on them. Uh, maybe that could also be a statement about how dorky the previous iteration was. But if you like the newer ones, uh, you can get them from our friends over at Better Spectacles. They'll give you uh, the same frames I do. These are handcrafted German Rodenstock eyewear, over 500 patents available for mass distribution here in the U.S. for the first time. And our friends at Better Spectacles can also help you with your problematic prescription. If you're like me and you're a little far, you're a little near, that's why you often get stuck with the dorky frames. You don't have to do that anymore if you just want new frames and you don't have a problematic prescription, but just a regular old one. They can help you with that too. Uh, 61% off uh, is their introductory offer and they throw in the road and stock frames for free if you schedule a teleoptical appointment with them at betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, that's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. And with all that set forth, let us now begin as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by President Dementia. The Scarf Queen reappears and a keep your religion out of my bedroom update. There are a ton of worthwhile stories to cover that happened before and after the momentous news dropped at the Supreme Court on Friday. But we'll start right back there. Yesterday, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of a Seattle high school football coach who was placed on paid leave for leading postgame prayers in the 50-yard line of the school's football field. The court ruled 6-3 in his favor, saying the school district violated his First Amendment rights. The White House recently announced their intentions to alter Title IX. The changes would essentially do away with the First Amendment on college campuses and criminalize the misgendering of students. Here's the artist formerly known as Richard Levine. Gender-affirming care is life-saving, medically necessary, age-appropriate, and a critical tool for health care providers. As a pediatrician, when it comes to making sure kids are healthy and happy, I know how important care that affirmed someone's true identity can be. Joe Biden officially called on Congress to enact a gas tax holiday. A gas tax holiday that will offer you pennies for 90 days, but probably won't deliver those pennies. It's a gimmick. You know you are being tricked. 
You know, politicians are saying something just to get through the next election instead of actually solving the problem. Whoops, wrong clip. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm says, shut up and be thankful, you peons. If you went to the UK today for a gallon equivalent, you would be paying $7.71. If you went to France, you'd be paying $8.49. If you went to Canada, you'd be paying over $6 per gallon. If you went to Singapore, you'd be paying over $9 per gallon. This is happening around the world. Back to Biden, he was caught on camera with a list of directions for him during a recent meeting at the White House. The list Biden was holding read, you enter the Roosevelt Room and say hello to participants. You take your seat. You give brief comments and so on and so forth. It's also been revealed that Joe Biden unwittingly paid for his son Hunter's participation in a Russia-linked escort ring, spending nearly $30,000 on escorts. A video on the younger Biden's laptop from hell shows Hunter confronting a scared, young-looking Russian escort. I was literally saying, I'm sorry that it took so long to give you $10,000. Sweetheart, look at me. You cannot talk to me that way and say things like that. Because... I'm more respectful than anyone you've ever met. Shortly after that January 2019 video was made, Joe Biden sent Hunter about $5,000. This is all according to a report from the Washington Examiner. The Senate bill, which incentivizes states to set up red flag laws, passed in the House of Representatives on Friday. The bill was signed into law by Joe Biden a couple of days ago. Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra says his agency is looking at using taxpayer dollars to fund transportation for women to fly to states to have their babies executed. We are working with... uh Uh, supporters on the ground to make sure that we are providing services to women where we can. Uh, We are looking into everything, including assisting in transportation, something that HHS doesn't typically do. Can you do that legally? Uh, Talk to me later. Uh, The scarf queen herself, Dr. Deborah Burks, was questioned by Congressman Jim Jordan about the COVID jabs. When the government told us, told the American people, that people who had been vaccinated couldn't get it, Were they guessing or were they lying? I don't know. Here's a chart with data from Switzerland showing the vaccination uptake rate with the number of live births in that country going back to 2016. I'm just going to give you some time to look at that. Obviously, nothing to see there. The mom who saved her own kids from the Uvalde massacre says she's now being harassed by the Uvalde, Texas Police Department. Anjali Rose Gomez says she's been threatened by police and has faced increased scrutiny after she spoke to the media about how she saved her children. She's since moved her children in order to spare them the intimidation by the police. Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake absolutely wrecked the CNN reporter. Hi. Nice to see you. Mm-hmm. You don't have a mask on anymore. What's <laughs> going on? Outside. Do you have a wow. minute to well, chat? we're six feet apart. <laughs> do you have a minute to chat? Um, I'll do an interview. Okay. As long as it airs on CNN Plus. Oh. <laughs> Does that still exist? Yeah. I didn't think so because the people don't like what you guys are peddling, so, which is propaganda. Thank do you. you. Keep your religion out of my bedroom update. This was a recent pride parade in Minneapolis. For those of you listening, what we're watching is a fat, bald old man in nothing but tidy whities shaking his butt around in front of a toddler. And finally, the latest from Anna Dace.
You can find that and more like it by following the Steve Day Show Instagram and TikTok pages at Steve Day Show on both. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Freedom Project Education. If you are looking for alternative education outlets this fall, time is running short as we head into July. Schools starting in just a couple of months. Spots filling up soon. Get a free information packet today from our friends at Freedom Project Academy when you go to freedomforschool.com, F-O-R, freedomforschool.com. I have seen firsthand how good of a job these guys do in teaching your kids how to think, not what to think, mastery of subject matter that actually matters and not spirit of the age propaganda. I had my own son enrolled uh, in FPA for a couple of years. I also worked with them uh, arm in arm. Uh, we were in the trenches together to fight and push back against Common Core back in the day. So these folks know what they are doing. And if you want to find out for yourself, it doesn't cost you anything to get a free information packet today for your kid at freedomforschool.com. Again, that is freedomforschool.com. Let's go to the montage, shall we? And I, I want to actually start with the Hunter Biden revelations. And our show... If it's not us, it's Daniel, and if it's not Daniel, it's us. Of all the of all the programming that goes on on any sort of upper level of platform on the right, Daniel and I have to be up there amongst those who have the least stomach for interest in the soap opera aspect of politics. Okay, I just I don't care. Um, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just here to crack skulls. That that's what I'm here to do. I'm, I like winning. I'm not here to gossip or any of that other stuff. I like winning. Someone, a couple of you, actually a few of you sent me a note yesterday, said, man, definitely an extra pep in your step listening to yesterday's show. And I'm like, I like winning. Have I, have I not made that clear over the years? I like winning. All right. I'm a very, uh, gracious winner. I am a terrible loser and show me someone who is a gracious loser and I'll just show you a loser. Uh, I, I don't like losing at anything. I don't. I can't handle it. Um, my kids will tell you I never let them win anything ever their entire lives. Shoots and ladders. Nope. Go for the win every time. I will crush you. And that's how they know now that they're older. When the old man gives you a compliment, he really means it because he doesn't even give you one. It shoots in ladders. All right. I, I have to win at everything. I hate to lose. And so we've been winning uh, the last few days. And so my mood is better. When we're losing, um, my mood is not better. Uh, but I want to indulge the soap opera story here, which frankly, as good and stuff as our ratings on this show have been recently, they'd be a lot higher if I did indulge that. I think we all recognize that, right? I mean, the reason why a bunch of shows besides us indulge this stuff is because you guys, too many people want it indulged. And I, I just can't bring myself to talk about things I don't give a rip about, period. I mean, I, if, I, if I don't care about it, I won't be good talking about it. So I don't care about the soap opera stuff. I don't care, all right? I'm going to make an exception here, though, because I think that there is a broader point that needs to be made and a very important one. 
one of the things I've said a lot over the years, and I've been saying that more too as I get older, because when you do this now, you, I mean, I've been doing this since I was 26 years old. That's when I debuted in Sports Talk Radio. And so you end up just repeating yourself, <laughs> okay? But one of the things we used to talk a lot about on this show, and we just haven't brought it up in, 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 in many a moon because there's too many other things to talk about, is that evil will often accuse you of doing what it's doing. You guys remember hearing that, maybe that line sure. before in the past mm-hmm. on the show? Evil will accuse you of doing what it is doing. Sometimes this is referred to as projection, right? It, you know, I've also mentioned before, you can often tell what a pastor is having his most personal struggles with by what he's the most passionate preaching about, right? So um, evil often will accuse you of doing what it is doing. What was unveiled and from documented evidence yesterday is that the son of the former vice president, now president, during the, the time of 2015 and 2016, was involved, deeply involved, in a high value call girl escort prostitution ring out of Russia. And I'm guessing that's not a union shop who probably was running or the ultimate person in charge of said high dollar escort call girl prostitution ring. More than likely one of Putin's Russian oligarchs. Right? I I don't think a bunch of wayward Russian millennials got together, or Gen Zers now, uh, got together and said, you know, we need a buck. Let's start the best little whorehouse in Moscow. Doubt that happened. And if they did, once it became the best little whorehouse in Moscow, it then would have been under the control of one of Putin's Russian oligarchs if you kind of get what I'm saying there. I'm with you. Yeah, they don't they don't do independent contractors in Russia. That doesn't no, that doesn't don't do independent much, actually. So likely this call girl high dollar prostitution ring traces back to one of Putin's oligarchs, which would make it premium blackmail potential. In fact, just going to throw this out there, guys. You almost might think that a Russian dictator who used to head the KGB of the old Soviet Union and just launched a war against Ukraine that caused the West to respond by sanctioning itself. That's what the West did. It sanctioned itself. Russian rubles at a seven-year high. Our currency is being debased. They are flushed with oil cash over there. We're paying $7 a gallon for gas. They stopped making their debt payments, which they don't have to anymore because their currency is more valuable. Exactly. Remember when I joked on this show when McDonald's pulled out of Russia like a month ago? Man, if I was a fiend like Putin, I'd just like confiscate their equipment and like McD's, McDowell's on coming to America. Just rebrand it as a Russian state-owned burger joint. They did that, actually. They did it. 
And they opened it last week and sold 20,000 burgers. Yeah, that happened. Uh, oh, and then cut off the 50% of the natural gas to France and Germany. Not Lithuania, dudes. Okay? France and Germany. You'd almost think the guy capable of that level of skullduggery. I don't know. Mine came up with the bright idea of a Russian high-value escort call girl prostitution ring specifically in order to have blackmail material. Thoughts? Maybe? Think it's possible. You and your 4D chest, Steve Think it's possible that that could be the case. So why is the period of time of 2015 and 2016, why is that so noteworthy? Because during that period of time, we were also being told that the eventual Republican nominee for president, Donald Trump, had taken advantage of a high-profile, high-dollar Russian escort call girl prostitution ring for water sports. They taped it. They had an infamous now P-tape. And they were using this as blackmail leverage against Donald Trump so that Putin could use him as his wedge instrument to infiltrate and steal the 2016 election. Do I have those alleged chain of events correct? Good times, yes. Yes. How much of that, after years and tens of millions of dollars in investigations, subpoenas, criminal trials, televised hearings, how much of that turned out to be true, gentlemen? None. Thank you for the whisper, President Biden. None. Yes. Do you ever notice it's either none? None! But that's how old people with dementia communicate, in whispers or screams with not much in between. Yes. Um, Which is endearing if you're not the president of the United yes, States. Yes, it, it's endearing and you want to take care of them unless they're carrying the nuclear football and then you're in a fetal position cutting yourself. Yes. Um, so none of that turned out to be true? No. None of it did. Huh. And yet at the exact same time, gentlemen, that this was said to be going on and it was not, At the exact same time this was said to be going on, the son of the former vice president, later to be, well, actually, he was still vice president at this time, the son of the vice president, soon to be next president, was literally putting himself out there as blackmail material for a Russian high-dollar call girl Escort prostitution ring likely overseen by one of Putin's very oligarchs. Are these people always guilty of what they accuse everybody else of every time? Like, if you ever want to know what are they doing? Uh, Trump is a fascist. Okay, after they beat him, they literally gave us fascism. Literally. Elites in corporate and uh, the corporate and government sectors conspiring together to dictate and command policy to the populace. That's the literal definition of fascism. Do they always do, are they always doing every time what they accuse everybody else of doing? When when have they not been guilty? Uh, If we overturn Roe, women will die. 
Actually, because of Roe, we killed about tens of millions of women before they were even born. And then there's the rest of them that we soul wounded, if not murdered, because of, you know, with the stain on their soul of that action did. Are they always guilty of what they accuse everybody else of being guilty of? Every time. Well, when you have no moral... Well, I mean, this you're talking about the Garden of Eden uh, right here. You know, this is... You know, did God really say... you When you move all of the lines, and then lines simply become meaningless because they've been moved so many times. Again, well, this is Occam's razor. Why wouldn't they, Steve? This is, I think, one way we need to start talking to ourselves about this. You know, they, and it's uh, Aaron talks about the psychology we've all been programmed with. Like there's a, even as Christians who believe in something resembling to, total uh, depravity, like the rubber band, the common sense, something like that has to be. No, it doesn't. We even fool ourselves as Christians about that. It doesn't. So Occam's razor kicks in. Why wouldn't they do exactly this? This is the smartest play, isn't it, Steve? If you can continue to get away with it. Yes. Sure. And they can. Whatever you incentivize or don't punish, you always get more And who, who's been punished for anything in the last five years on numerous fronts? Who? Who's the person that's been held up and said, finally, we have our justice? I hear you. Aaron, your thoughts? By the way, earlier in that video that I played of, of Hunter Biden, he's, he's asking the uh, prostitute, uh, did I hurt you in any way? Are you okay? Why would you videotape yourself? Trying to force that answer out of a out of a prostitute. What's the benign innocent explanation for that? Yeah, yeah. And now, breaking this morning as well. Too late to get into the montage. Is a uh, a voicemail from Joe Biden left on Hunter Biden's phone, wanting to discuss business deals. And then uh, I think there was I'm not sure if there's the same one or a separate voicemail where uh, Biden said you should be in the clear, whatever the heck that means. Hunter Biden. This is a this I mean, the sleaziest of sleaze balls. But yeah, that's that's what evil does. It looks at its accusers and says, "No, you're actually doing that." Because yeah, that's projection. It's also uh, it also rel- delves into the realm of of gaslighting. Do not believe what you're seeing with your own eyes. What you're seeing with your own eyes happening right before you is not actually what it is. In fact, it never happened, and the sky is green on top of it. That, that's what it is, because it's not moral relativism. It's not even moral subjectivism. It's just whatever helps me get power in this very instant. There is no, it's, it's amoralism. It's amoralism, and that's a very important lesson worldview-wise from a story like this, is that evil will do whatever, progressivism will do whatever it takes to attain power and keep power. Because if progressivism was a person incarnate, its internal monologue would always be at all times, ye be like God, I will ascend to the Most High. It's, it's, uh, It's very much about dominion. That's the larger implication of this. Steve, you yourself, I'm trying to look for it. My computer froze up. You sum this up. Oh, yeah. 
So far this year, the same demonic belief system argued for a woman not to have bodily autonomy yeah. to decide on an experimental yeah. injection that wouldn't immunize her anyway, admitted it doesn't even know what a woman is, but has the bodily autonomy to murder her child. It's only June. Steve, you, you answered your own question this morning. These people should be in jail, in insane asylums, fired, something, in something resembling civilization, but they're all in control. Well, they're not in total control. There is still a God on the throne. Amen. We do still have, not as much as we used to, but we do still have more freedom and liberty than any other people on earth do, which is why every now and then you do see a big win like we saw on Friday with the overturning of Roe. We will talk to Abby Johnson about that when we come back. So back in November, we used ScoreMaster to help us get an obscenely low interest rate. Uh, for our home refi for our 30-year fixed mortgage. And now uh, mortgage rates have doubled since then. So (laughs) if you didn't think it was important before to make sure that you have the absolute best credit score that you could possibly attain before you go into that uh, interest rate market, it's then I, I don't know what to tell you because given where things are headed now and they aren't looking at going and getting better anytime soon, make sure you at least find out first. All right. Makes a big difference, not just on whether you get approval, but with the terms and the interest rate for your loan will be. And that goes for an auto loan, business loan, et cetera. They can help you with all of that at ScoreMaster, because even though your credit lender these days will show you the score you have, do they show you why you have the score you have? And then go one step further, showing you exactly how to get to the score you need or want. They do all of that for you at ScoreMaster right now. Uh, You can try it for free and see how many plus points you can add to your credit score when you go to scoremaster.com slash Steve. Again, that is scoremaster.com slash Steve. Well, it was a decade ago, her book, Unplanned, blew the whistle on the behind the scenes goings on at Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider. Uh, It was just three years ago that the film based on that uh, movie uh, absolutely uh, shook a lot of people uh, and caused and forced them to take a harder look at what was really going on inside those abortion clinics than they ever had before. So it's only natural sitting here now just mere days after the overturning of Roe v. Wade to find out what her reaction to that is. Abby Johnson is here with us. It's good to see you again, Abby. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. So the last time I saw you was on the set of uh, making your film, uh, which was back in 2018. And, um, you know, this was very locked down because who knew what Planned Parenthood was going to do? You didn't want the crazies coming. They're filming in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And 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 to, to now out in the open, I mean, if, if around that set that day, if I had predicted to you that within three years after this film's release, Roe v. Wade would be overturned, you probably would have told me I was nuts. And yet here we are, right? I mean, your thoughts on watching this transpire and has it even kind of hit home to you yet? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's I mean, it's definitely an exciting time and we are for sure celebrating this victory, but also recognizing that 
there's still a ton of work to be done. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done, even in the states where abortion is going to be banned or has been banned. Um, and of course, you know, we still have states like California and Maine and you know, Vermont and New York and, you know, tons of work to be done there. Um, so, I mean, you know, yes, we are celebrating this victory, but also, you know, I don't want people to become apathetic. And honestly, Steve, I think that is my concern mm-hmm. that, you know, pro-lifers are going to say, you know, people that have sort of been like, you know, moderately involved or not very involved, they just sort of checked a box and said, yeah, I'm pro-life, that they're going to go, okay, great. Like, our work is done, you know, or in my state, abortion's now illegal. And so I don't have to do anything anymore. I don't, I don't have to sacrifice anymore. I don't have to give to that pregnancy center when the reality is now is really the time to double down and, and do more than we ever have done. You go back to both your book, which gave people a look, a bird's eye view of the inner workings of Planned Parenthood for the first time. And then the movie based on your book. And I mean, the first five minutes of that film, uh, when, you know, you, your, your character based on you goes back into that operating room and sees firsthand for the first time what's really been going on there this entire time. I think for a lot of Americans, including even a lot of pro-lifers, when they saw the film, that was the first time that they had seen what is really going on back there for the first time. And on to some degree, I think we owe... There's a lot of people. I mean, we gave a list of 10 on this show yesterday. We could have done 70. There's a lot of people that we could uh, thank for what happened at Roe, uh, with, with Roe. But certainly we should thank you and your book and, and the film um, because it did force people, even pro-lifers, to look at this beyond a theoretical discussion, I think at least in my generation, for the first time. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, it's uh, certainly, you know, my goal has always been, my hope has always been to really open people's eyes and and pull back the curtain of the abortion industry. Um, you know, it's it's what the work of our our ministry does, and then there were none. You know, trying to help people understand when I when I spoke at the RNC. And I thought this is, you know, the biggest platform I'll ever have, of course. I mean, besides being on your show, Um, (laughs) this is, you know, the biggest platform I'll ever have probably in my lifetime speaking Mm -hmm. at the RNC. And I thought, you know, when I first got the call from the White House to do it, I I mean, I just remember praying, okay, Lord, like they're going to give me, you know, less than five minutes and I need to. I need to be able to tell the world what is happening to these babies. And I think Unplanned did that. And I think that, um, you know, being able to give some sort of voice, some sort of justice to the 63 million babies and, and more, really, we know it's more, that have been slaughtered in the womb is... I mean, it's, it's sobering, but it's also, I think what, what we're required to do, Mm -hmm. because while this is a victory for us, it's also really just a time of remembrance for all of those children who have been lost, um, really at just this altar of convenience. 
you just explained why shortly after the ruling came down on Friday, I was actually traveling to a speaking engagement and, uh, uh, I, I ain't gonna lie, man. I, I I shed a few tears thinking about that. And, you know, my mom found out as a high school freshman, she was pregnant by her high school senior boyfriend at Christmas in 1972. Roe v. Wade comes in January of 1973. And now she has a choice that and she originally didn't think she could make and she wrestled with it. And then in the end, yeah. decided she couldn't go through with it. And it was tough. I mean, she was a 15-year-old mom. Her mom was twice divorced all right, with five kids from two different marriages. That's not an easy life in any era, but especially 50 years ago. And and we were on ADC. We were on welfare. I've actually ate government cheese. It's not that bad. Uh, but, uh, you know, 48 years later, she's got, uh, she would say, I'm the best mistake she ever made. She's got three grandkids. She absolutely adores it. My birth propelled her to go to school, become one of the first members of our family to get a college degree, motivated her to do better for herself and not settle. But, you know, early in those days when, you know, she's she's trying to, you know, do 10,000 things before breakfast because I'm, I'm here now. She didn't know that. And those things weren't easy. And I think about the kids that weren't given the opportunity to fulfill their God-given potential that my mom gave me. I think about the moms who bought into the lies and made those choices and then had a, a part part of their heart or their souls moved, removed, and and maybe the gospels never come in to replace it and put it back. Right. And just and so they took the, that woundedness with them into their eventual marriages and families and are still trying to reconcile it. The carnage here, I guess is what I'm trying to say, Abby, the carnage here is beyond incalculable of what this one opinion and ruling wrought in America. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I was, I was at a conference. I was at every year I, I host a pro-life women's conference and this year it was in Indianapolis. And so there were hundreds and hundreds of women, uh, together whenever this, the ruling came down. And so we're all sitting, you know, standing there together waiting when it came out, I, you know, we were all crying and happy and hugging each other. And then, you know, they said, you know, Abby, what, Abby, what do you want to say about this? And I just, I stood there for a minute and I, I just said, you know, I know the devastation that Roe has brought in my life. You know, if Roe hadn't have been the law of the land, I would have two more children in my life. I would not have had my two abortions. If Roe would not have been the law of the land, I would not have worked in an abortion clinic. I would not have the burden of having had facilitated over 22,000 abortions on my conscience. I know the destruction of Roe from working directly in the abortion facility and having had two abortions. And so I'm looking forward to the the beauty and the life that is going to come from from Roe being overturned but it's like you said it doesn't mean that it's not going to be challenging it doesn't mean that it's it's not going to be difficult it doesn't mean that you know your life doesn't change or that the path that you have as a parent doesn't change right i mean i have eight kids i i'm 41 years old i just now finished my my doctorate if I wouldn't have had eight children, I probably could have finished my doctorate when I was, 
you know, 28, 29 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. But that path changed for me. It took longer. I had to take different roads, you know, but I still got it done. It, it, it's, you know, it still happened in my life. It looked different. You know, it was a little more challenging doing my doctorate with eight kids, but I got it done, you know? And so I think that's the message that, that we need to be giving to women. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be without challenges, but being a mom is the greatest thing that you can ever do in your life. And it's the greatest sacrifice that you can ever make. And it's, you'll, I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's challenging, but you will be so full of joy because you will have a child. And that's, you know, that's, I mean, I I was looking, Steve, at these pictures of these women on the steps of the Supreme Court, this woman, she's like eight and a half months pregnant and she's holding a sign that says, don't force this on anyone. Mm. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with women in our society? But it's it's so this is so biblical. You know, Mm -hmm. there's scripture that talks about women turning against their children. And this is so biblical. This is so, you know, there's nothing new under the sun and abortion. It does separate women from their children. It does turn women's hearts away from the gift of motherhood. And so now I feel like finally we're going to have an opportunity in this nation to right that wrong and Mm -hmm. to bring women back to their children. Extremely well said. Abby, before we let you go, tell people how they can learn more about your ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, all of, all of my socials and everything is on my website, abbyj.com, abbyj.com. And, uh, I've got a ministry, uh, getting abortion clinic workers out of the industry and getting them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They can find out more at abortionworker.com. I also run a 24 hour crisis line for any woman, uh, single parent, single mom, single dad in crisis. Uh, they can find out more about that at loveline.com. Great stuff. God bless you. Appreciate you, Abby. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. You bet. Thank you. This part of the show brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Mobile. When you have the opportunity to do business with people who aren't funneling your money to folks that want to exterminate human life, but preserve it, take full advantage of it. Unfortunately, in today's corporate America environment, you don't get that option very often. But thankfully, one place where we all have that option, because we all pretty much need a mobile phone to you know, exist in modern America, that's one place that you do. And that's with our friends over at Patriot Mobile. Make the switch now. You'll get virtually the same network coverage you already have because everybody uses virtually the exact same networks and towers. All right, but you won't be directly giving your money to people that hate you. If you're a veteran or first responder, when you make the switch, they'll give you even more savings the way of saying thank you uh, for your service to the country. For everybody else, use the offer code Steve, my first name, uh, to get a free activation. When you make the switch, like our family made last fall, We thought it was going to be a big hassle, but their A1 customer service team did a fantastic job, so I could recommend them to you as well. When you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, that's PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, or call them at 972-PATRIOT. One of the, uh, if you go back to the unplanned film, one of the interesting subplots there, fellas, is when uh, they announce, Planned Parenthood announces they're going to build their biggest facility ever. I think it was in Houston, if I remember right. And, um... And it's at this event where Abby's getting an award. And this is so that they can churn out even more abortions than ever before. And she was like, well, wait a minute. I thought we did, you know, all these other things to help women's health. 
And you guys remember the scene and they get in the big argument and and her boss or mentor finally looks at her and says, we are an abortion provider, right? I thought about that scene again when I read over the weekend, uh, Planned Parenthood clinics closing in places like Arkansas. I think it's the, is it 13 states or something like that had the trigger laws in place? And so you've got uh, the, the remaining, there's not many, but the remaining Planned Parenthood clinics in these states are closing already if they can't do abortions. Well, that's weird. Because weren't we told our entire lives it's only three percent of the of the of the business they do is abortions? I don't know why these Planned Parenthood clinics in places like Arkansas, for example, why they have to close down because they can't do abortions anymore. What about the mastectomies? Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm not the mastectomies, the breast exams. So that you don't have to go through that. What about the breast exams? What about all the birth control? What about all the other things they do for women that they claim that they did all these years, right? So then, why are they closing if they can't do abortions anymore? Weird. Because they're murdering liars. Yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what yeah. I got. But I, it's really I'm struck by her the weight that you could still you know this perhaps if anybody would be just jumping up and down, but she's absolutely right about the, the work ahead, and you can't help but not understand that when you look at the reaction to Roe being overturned. I mean, there there are just simply people who the most important thing in their life is letting you know that they should be able to uh, kill the child in, in their belly. It's, uh, I feel that uh, weight too, you know, but it, God's long suffering uh, is a reminder that uh, we were created in his image and we must be prepared to do the same. We aren't done. Yeah, for being the same people who want to shout their abortion... They really don't want to talk about that. what that actually is. They really don't want to. Hence the canard for all of these years. It's only 3% of our business. You know, I saw several people who I know uh, post over the weekend, and it's, it's really disheartening to see how many people that I thought I knew, uh, acquaintances from my life, mm-hmm. are just really into the baby killing. Yeah, I've heard that from my the, kids too, the, seeing it on their socials the, this weekend. Yeah, the main thing, it's not all about it's all, not all about abortion. It's 100% about abortion. It's 100%. Yes, it is. Because as you've pointed out on this show your entire time here, Todd, if we had offered them the compromise right. they claim they want now, the exceptions, they would have never taken it. Nope. So here we are. Hour two is next. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and all of you. Don't forget that you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, and then also now TikTok and Instagram. And then, of course, uh, we're now up on Trump's Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace there. And then you can get clips of the show that are free to watch and free of any censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. For those of you that are podcast listeners, you're a big part of our show's audience. We appreciate you. Uh, As I've mentioned already, you guys are why we've had our best iTunes rankings for this podcast ever. 
in the last few weeks. So thank you very much for that. If you've yet to do this, please leave us a five-star review. And if you've got a question that you want considered for our next Ask Me Anything, put that inside of your five-star review and you will move to the front of the line of our next AMA. All right, you can also hit subscribe and follow for us on your podcast platform of choice. And thank you to all of you. Uh, There are many that have done those things for us already. We greatly appreciate you. This part of the show brought to you by uh, our friends over at Built Bar. I'm giving you a heads up right now. I just got an email. Now, since I'm already in the email club, because I've ordered literally 100 boxes of these over the years, just the last couple of years, uh, I just got the heads up. Coming soon, the return of chocolate chip cookie dough chunk. Coming soon. But this time, it's coming as the puff in the marshmallow flavor, all right? So my number one flavor in my Built Bar Power Ratings, chocolate chip cookie dough chunk, is on the way back. And if you had already taken my advice with Built Bar, you'd be getting the pre-launch emails too and getting your stock up before they hit the gen pop, because that's what I'm going to do, all right? You know me, I'm going to put a solid dent in their inventory stock here after the show and make that order on the pre-launch. So if you've yet to try Built Bar, the best protein bar of all time, loaded with flavor and all covered in real chocolate, but not packed with the calories, carbs, and grams of sugar you're trying to avoid, now is the time. Go to Built.com, B-U-I-L-T for Built Bar at Built.com. Use the promo code DACE to get 15% off when you do. Built.com for Built Bar. It's been a while, but uh, let's talk to uh, Matthew Peterson again from the Claremont Institute because we have noticed some of the things that, uh, Matt, you've been uh, posting and writing about recently, and we wanted to discuss them with you. Good to see you again. How are you? Hey, it's great to see you. Great to be back. It's been too long. Matt, I kind of want to start with my weekend and and then get your, because I think it'll play right into what we wanted to bring you on and talk about. All right. So I was invited. What's funny, I've not been a registered Republican for like seven years. Uh, I kind of, as I get older, feel like Mark Twain. I'm not sure I want to belong to any political party that would have me. Okay. (laughs) But, but now, now all of a sudden Republicans are getting a little bit more radicalized and I'm getting invited to speak at all these official party functions that before I was just blacklisted from. So I'm out in Montana speaking at their GOP's Reagan dinner over the weekend and state attorney general is there. A bunch of other dignitaries are there and uh, I asked uh, the state attorney general, who's very popular with the conservatives out there, I, his, his chief of staff was kind of my point man, or one of my point men when I was on the ground. And I asked him, hey, what's the mood here? You know, what do you hear me want to hear me talk about tonight? He goes, well, given the dignitaries that are going to be there, I'm kind of hoping you'll light a fire and burn it down. Mm-hmm. I said, OK, I'm good at that. I'll do that. You know, and before I came on, the one dignitary that wasn't there was Senator Steve Daines. And he's got an okay voting record, our, you know, here at Cons- Conservative Review, one of our subsidiaries here at The Blaze. It's like a 75% Liberty score, which sadly is actually one of the better Liberty scores amongst Republican senators and still not great. Uh, but he, he sent this video and I agreed with everything he said, Matt, but it was just all talking points from like 2011. Maybe even like another, maybe even like 1998, another century. Okay. And I, I, I spoke right after that video and I got up there and I, and his staffers were actually in the room and they got up and left. And I said, listen, I'm just telling you guys, that ain't sufficient, man. That, that, that has no shot against the level of zealotry that we are up against. Because my concern, brother, is we are getting, we're getting cattle prodded here into a, a nihilistic outcome. 
We have a duopoly system here, and one side of the duopoly has cast off all moral restraint and it is never returning to it. And then on this side over here, Matt, we're losing all hope in our institutions and we're getting increasingly desperate. And, and my fear is eventually it's this side over here that's getting increasingly desperate that owns the 200 million guns. And it's this side over here that's lost all its moral restraint that keeps poking the bear over here and saying, hey, we're going to start chest binding your daughters and castrating your sons, whether you like it or not. If, if mm-hmm. there is not more institutional representation and agency for those people over here, Matt, history shows they're not going to stay in their rooms forever and their homes forever with their 200 million guns and say, you're right. 25% inflation, my elections don't, ca- my vote doesn't count, chest bind my daughter, castrate my sons, and take my job and hand it to an illegal alien, and I'll just keep sitting here and taking it. And that is my fear, is we're heading to this nihilistic outcome, unless more guys like Steve Daines understand what time it is, and start getting a little bit more Ron DeSantis and, and aggressively confronting the spirit of the age and representing their constituents. And with that, I'll hand it off to you. Yeah, absolutely. Not only is that your uh, well-placed fear, that's also, I, I believe, what the smarter people on the left want to happen. I mean, that's what they're actively trying to provoke. And they're well aware that half of the country is effectively atomized, isolated uh, because of ineffective political leadership. I have to say, one of the things I've done in the last year is create a super PAC called American Firebrand. People can go to it, AmericanFirebrand.com. And I'm actually talking to donors now about how we can use that pack to accelerate rhetorical change on the right. In other words, what we need the politicians to do is realize the base is far beyond them. And if, frankly, if they want to keep their jobs, they have to keep up. And they need to, a lot of them are just imitators, so they need to see the right kind of rhetoric. They need to be told what to say. People, you know, people want a political savior. And, you know, I have to, I have to say, I have some bad news. No, no one politician is going to save you. The Republican Party certainly is not going to save you, but we can show them. We can tell them what to do and say. With politicians, an old mentor of mine once said, look, I just want them to vote the right way and say the right thing. And if you get anything more than that, like real statesmanship, that, that's incredible. That's great. But I do think that we can start to punish people on the right and reward those who are saying the right thing and tell them what to say, because, look, the message is popular. So the silver lining on the political side is, look, uh, you know, Governor Abbott, say, in Texas may not be the most forward thinking Republican, but even if he's just doing this, seeing which way the wind blows, Mm -hmm. he's certainly way more conservative than uh, previous Republican governors in his actions. Why? At the very least, he knows where the base is. Uh, But I do think that ultimately the way we win this is by a commercial cultural movement that goes beyond, you know, pining for politicians. Everyone needs to be active. They need to choose leaders who will actually lead, who actually say the right things and pick the right battles. Um, But, you know, you can't count on the party to save you. We need to change the party. And the way we're going to do that is by being involved in a commercial cultural movement that says we're going to start transferring millions of dollars and talent out from underneath woke capital and into uh, something else, into a way of life that makes sense for us and our children. What I hear you saying uh, is a sea change I made in my career 
after 2014. I, I, I got into this, you know, eventually or originally through the Iowa caucus process and uh, and the presidential politics. And from there, I got involved in primaries around the country, particularly in the Tea Party movement, trying to get the more conservative candidates. We almost always lost. The one race that we won is the one none of us thought we had any chance to win, Dave Bratt, so none of us got involved. And, and I realized, oh, crap, the people are the problem. The people need to be radicalized. I'm, you know, I, I live in Iowa. I should know a little bit more about how farming works. I'm trying to harvest a crop before the, the seeds actually been planted here, that the, the people actually have to be radicalized first. And then ultimately on the, on the Democratic side, they don't sit around on MSNBC debating who the true Democrat is and will they win this key primary? They never do. The assumption is they have just radicalized the ecosystem over there to the extent that and almost doesn't matter who wins a primary. They get the same vote regardless, which is why when it rarely goes against them, like with Cinema and Mansion in the last year, they're losing their damn minds because they're not used to seeing this level of independence within their own ranks. And I've been involved a lot the last few years in just trying to radicalize my audience as much as I possibly could. And it sounds like that's kind of the approach that you're talking about a little bit, which is the, the political process just becomes irrelevant from a prime directive standpoint. It becomes the outcome of our own radicalization. And then it truly then reflects where we are at that point in time. Absolutely. Look, that's absolutely the way forward. The, the, the people are now ahead of their leaders. And that's in part because people like you have realized what the problem is a long time ago and started to speak about it. And people rally to that message every day. This is this is the, the, the real hope that I have uh, that we can and will win every day. People are waking up. I know people who voted for Bernie a few years ago who are going, what the hell is going on? They lied to me about X. What else did they, they lie to me about Y and Z too, right? And so this is a powerful message. And this is something where, you know, we've seen just in experimenting with rhetoric at American Firebrand, um, you know, it's popular. People, people understand what's going on. Let me give you another example. DeSantis, for instance, is very popular among uh, a certain like upper middle class set who a few years ago was pretty much clueless. Mm -hmm. And now they're very upset and they're, they're thinking about voting Republican. Look at Elon Musk, right? Saying not only, you know, screw the Clintons, but I'm gonna vote Republican. And so what's important here is tying these issues practically to a way of life. It's gotten to the point now where it's all fun and games to talk about, you know, to say what you're supposed to say at your fancy job about, you know, all these social issues. But when they're actually coming to trans your kids and little Johnny's coming home and being made weaker and being taught all kinds of bizarre things in the classroom, that changes the dynamic. Then you start thinking, OK, well, I can't say this publicly, but quietly, I'm going to move to Florida from New York, right? Or Texas, right. Or California. Right. We see that happening now. And to me, this is the hope. What we need, again, when I say a commercial cultural movement, I mean media entities that are that are uh, putting out content that show where people are at, that, that show what normal people are thinking and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to live in this environment. And if that movement grows, put, look at it this way, our ESG, right? Our social justice. If that movement grows, then all of a sudden the politicians will sing the tune. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll 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 change. Some of them will just, you know, start saying the right thing and you'll see a whole cast of new leaders rise up. I think one of the great challenges we have on the right, and I I, I raise my own hand when I say this. It would have been three or four years ago, I would have been the, uh, you know, uh, build we should just build our own Twitter. I don't believe government should get involved in private industry. And and I had 
I, I'm, I was concerned about politics becoming a zero-sum game on the right because it already was on the left. And I was concerned about it becoming a zero-sum game on the right because if it's a zero-sum game on both sides and there's only two sides, then you're five minutes from Fort Sumter, okay? You're, you're 10 minutes from Bull Run at that point, right? Okay? And still more Americans died in Antietam than in any singular event in American history. And, and, and I realized, though, Matt, that I was actually going to create the very outcome I was afraid of by appointing myself some kind of intellectual gatekeeper who, I, who thought it was my job to tell my people to simmer down, as opposed to being truly honest about the level of threat existentially that we face. And so now I've done a 180, and now I'm out there trying to get our people to more, and our elected representatives to more peaceably, but aggressively confront this level of evil, because right now what we have is, is we don't have the mutually assured destruction of a duopoly. One side believes it can do whatever it wants, and yeah, it may lose some elections when the rubber band reverbs every now and then and the people get pissed off, but in terms of meaningful policies, whatever they did to piss people off will remain, okay? And then they'll just win the next time that the Republicans fail and pick up where they left off. They don't believe that there's really truly a meaningful punishment for going there, and that that's really what we have to create is a meaningful punishment for going there. But one of the things that they've done is outsource their activism to corporate America, and that's that's where the that's where the the political realignment in you and I's generation has occurred. We hadn't had one since Roe v. Wade uh, had Catholics and evangelicals form the old, the original religious right. The new political realignment is in corporate America, and the, the Lee Iacocca CIO, CEO is gone. Most of the things we oppose um, are are frankly just propped up by corporations, you know. And and that's what DeSantis has been highlighting by going after Disney recently. And I, and I think that this is the great challenge, the, the idea that um, a, a, maybe a private corporation can't do anything it wants, especially when that's what the Biden regime used to try to experiment on me this year. They used the corporations to try to impose those jab mandates. And so I think this is going to require a different level of, of, of tactical deployment than we're accustomed to on the right. Absolutely. Um, this, is, this is the front line in my, in my mind because – it's both uh, business, it's both economic, commercial, and cultural because corporations, uh, as we know, make culture like Disney. So I see this as a two-pronged effort. One is led by figures like DeSantis who are striking back politically, I think in perfectly appropriate ways, and they should continue to let those corporations know this is not acceptable and you will pay a price if you want to get involved in politics in this way. Uh, but the other side of that pincer movement is something that people aren't talking about enough. And that is exactly why, you know, I left Think Tank World and moved to Claremont, uh, moved to Texas uh, to create New Founding, uh, newfounding.com. And New Founding is a venture organization dedicated to revitalizing America by building what we need in tech, media and finance. And I'm a firm believer in this. I mean, I'm out in front of a lot of people. A lot of people are saying, oh, no, Matt, that's that's crazy. Or as you were saying, it's harmful. You shouldn't be encouraging this. But what our whole thesis for investment, for the consumer, is that the only way to defeat woke capital is by creating an alternative mu movement with small to medium-sized businesses that say, no, we're part of something else. We don't do any of this nonsense. We're not funding abortion. We're not funding Planned Parenthood. We're not even talking about you know, sexuality issues. We're focused on bringing supply chains back 
and, and proving to the consumer that we are actually helping America and we are on their side. And what I would say is, in the past, we thought that business was neutral. Mm-hmm. We thought that business was a, was a neutral space. This is actually not true. The reason that business was neutral and you had Lee Iacocca back in the day is because uh, both sides basically agreed on fundamental questions of human civilization. And there was political differences, uh, but you know both sides agreed on why we need to build, why we need commerce, what a nation state is, what a family is, mm-hmm. what a man is, mm-hmm. what a woman is. And, and when we don't agree on those things, which started with abortion, not agreeing on when a life begins, we don't agree on the basic building blocks of human civilization anymore. Yeah. And in that environment, yes, the economy is going to split out. And I'll tell you what, it has to. If it doesn't, we will lose. The only way to retake America is to consolidate power into an alternative movement where we take billions of dollars out of the control of woke capital. Right now, they force these corporations to be woke because the larger financial apparatus takes your 401k and uses it against you. We can change that, right? We have to try to change that or we will lose. And the good news is, There are tons of small and medium-sized businesses who see the opportunity and are willing to step up. And there are tons of people, and this is the good news I'm here to tell you today, because I've been talking to them for the last three, four years. There are tons of people who are very talented in the companies whose names you know, even still, who are on Red America's side, who aren't suicidal, they're looking for a way out that makes sense, Mm -hmm. but they want to get out and build new businesses that are aligned with you know, half plus the country. Let's go further into Disney for a few minutes, because I, I think that this is on, on one hand, we have certainly scared uh, some companies like Netflix and others into at least pretending to go somewhat straight. Disney though, just seems to triple and quadruple down. And what I find fascinating about this, and, and it's a cautionary tale for our audiences is if Disney's stock value has has now devalued to where it was in the spring of 2015, like pre-cord cutting. Okay, it, it and, and you know they they've bought all these properties, Marvel, Star Wars since 2015, and you would think if you owned the rights to the most popular uh, villain in American pop culture history, Darth Vader, like when Disney bought Star Wars. All the Star Wars nerds like me were concerned. They were going to like, you know, make Star Wars it. We'd have 70 Disney movies. You know, they'd water it down to make money off it. Now that seems preferable compared to what they've actually done. So you're sitting there with the rights to Darth Vader, the most popular villain in pop culture, American pop culture history. You put him in about a half dozen scenes in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, but you spent tens of millions of dollars making a film, making a series about Miss Marvel, a character nobody knows, even fewer people are watching, and it's tanking right now. If you're if you if you're in this for um, you know the old Rush Limbaugh line, all corporations care about is making a profit. I don't think they care about that anymore, Matt. Because if you were in this for that, then your your own board would be like, why is our stock price seven years seven years lower than it was? Quick, make seven thousand Darth Vader movies and shows, and let's make our money back. They won't do that. They they stay on the agenda. They get threatened. It doesn't matter. I think we have to we we've got to come to grips with the fact on the right. That what we're up against here is a religious level of devotion, literally a rival 
religious view. That's what we're talking about here. A completely different view of who is God or not, who, what has dominion or does not, what, is, what does ethos and pathos mean or where do they come from, morality, what's the point and goal of existence or business, etc. I think we've got to come to grips with that because the old things we used to try to pressure systems, like, like you and I couldn't go to Jordan. And, and sufficiently come up with a, move, a movement that would pressure them to abandon Islam for Christianity. We couldn't do that. It's just that level of conviction, right? And that's the most modern country in the Muslim world. That's what's going on in a lot of these boardrooms like now at places like Disney. They know it's tanking their stock price and they don't care. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that everyone needs to internalize. And it's hard to do so because it seems so counterintuitive. It seems so different from the way things used to be. Um, But as you rightly say, Disney doesn't care. They're between a rock and a hard place. They think all their creatives think one way. And what's going on in the board meeting is not go woke, go broke. It's it's go woke no matter what. And Mm -hmm. that's what they're doing. And look, their market cap is huge. They've lost a lot of money. It's still an enormous company. And a lot of these companies are sort of like big floating boats that have been the pirates already took over and they're just being cannibalized uh, and they will continue to be cannibalized until they're over. And this is why the only way out is to create alternatives. And look, I'm, I'm not a libertarian. I never even read the book. I mean this in a, in a gener- generic way. Um, we do need, in fact, to build our own Googles because it's gotten so bad that we have to. It's great what DeSantis did with Disney, but it's not going to solve the problem for the reason you mentioned. This is a religion. They're not going to stop. And the only way to punish them isn't just on subscribing. It's by getting founders and creators together and investors together to get off their duff and realize the only way we save America now is with a commercial cultural movement that takes the money from them and puts it in the hands of people who will not break to the demands of woke capital. That is what needs to be done. And we all known this for years, right? There's media is a great example. Everyone knows there's an enormous market. Look at Top Gun, right? But, but we also know that these people are not gonna stop. And so at a certain point you have to say, look, we have investors, right, who, who are starting to realize what the problem is. We have demand. We have to build like crazy and experiment. And, and that what that does, it allows us to win because it not only takes the money from them, it then allows for an ecosystem on the right, mm-hmm. a red state America ecosystem that has real power. And politicians will, you know, will bow before that. They'll, they'll, they'll listen to that. And that, to me, is the only way to retake America. The, the point is not to further divide it, but we do need to separate out economically, you know, media power and commercial power. Because if we don't do that, these people are not going to stop until they destroy things even further than they already have. Uh, there's no limiting principle on what they're doing. And again, the good news is, and this is what drives me nuts, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, the demand is there. People want this, mm-hmm. right? We don't want this garbage. And so we need to create anti-fragile, you know, you can't stop the signal, media entities that start creating alternative forms of content for real. And, and, and the difference now between doing this now and like 10, 20 years ago is the talent is there. People want to break out, but they need to see that it's actually going to generate revenue. And they want to break out from under this. And we need to do that in finance as well, with banking, et cetera. In media, yes, as we just discussed. And in, in general, with um, you know, with being able to buy products and services from alternative companies that aren't sitting around telling you what to think 
uh, and promoting their their insane ideological agenda. So the, 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 what you said is exactly right. The linchpin is what the, the 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 point of demarcation, the you know crossing the Rubicon is for the right to realize they they don't care about going woke and going broke. They're going to continue to do what they do with religious fervor. So the only way to stop them is to separate talent and investment out and create a new commercial cultural ecosystem. Amen. How can people follow the work you're doing, Matt, and learn more about it? Uh, they can go to newfounding.com. There's ways to contact us and see all the things that we're doing there. Uh, and follow me on, on Twitter at DOCMJP, DocMJP. Um, you know, and uh, look, I'm, I'm just here to tell you there's a lot of good news. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people coalescing uh, behind the scenes. And increasingly, you're going to see this movement move forward. I firmly believe that. Well, you're definitely one of the more insightful Twitter followers uh, follows for me out there. So appreciate what you're doing. Keep it up, man. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Uh, Matthew Peterson brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. You know, even in a non-let's-go-Brandon environment, getting involved in the buying and selling of a home or your own can be a very stressful time in your life. I know that from firsthand experience. That's why you got to make sure you go in with the right agent, especially now, because we are in a let's-go-Brandon environment, all right? Uh, so your, your home is your biggest investment, that's a lot of responsibility. Make sure you give it to an agent that you know you can trust and take seriously. Where would you find them? Well, the name kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. They do their homework to help you find only the best agents in just about every single market. And they verify their track record of success before they refer them to you. No rookies, uh, no one with incomplete records. They help you through the, the sifting process. When you go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find someone with a long track record of success at realestateagentsitrust.com. Your thoughts, guys, on the conversation that we just had with Matthew Peterson. Well, a lot of people hearing him speak are going to have a couple reactions. One, that that just sounds impossible. Well, you just saw Roe overturned, so you, you need to set that go. aside. Yeah, yeah. The, the you know, 50 years, and I don't know how long this is going to take. Matthew doesn't, Steve doesn't, Aaron doesn't. The work needs to be done uh, nonetheless. But the other instinct that you're going to battle is this sounds inconvenient. Uh, yeah, uh, and it will be because we all liked uh, right, left, everywhere to kind of put this thing on uh, cruise control. We're all to blame, even right now. Let's just get back to normal, get back to normal. Not possible. Normal's dead. Again, remember, not, and it needs to die because normal's the thing that got us here. It should be inconvenient. The founders promised us, the one who gave us this thing called July 4th coming up promised us it was always going to be inconvenient some level if we were doing our jobs as citizens. Most of us don't want to anymore. So it's up to you. Decide for yourself. Am I that term? Because if I'm not, then America can exist and you will have to look at the man in the mirror and nobody else to blame. You know, a couple of years ago on the Dace Group year-end roundtable, I named Matthew Peterson as the most uh, original thinker of the year because um, because you can hear that coming out because uh, even back then, it was clear that he's he recognized some of the same patterns that we had on this show and what to do about them. And that's absolutely, I think those the last two conversations have really gone hand-in-hand hand in, in a way. Because Abby Johnson, she spent about 10 seconds saying how relieved and thankful and ecstatic she was that Roe v. Wade is overturned. But you could hear it in her voice. She was concerned about the apathy, the apathy that could set in amongst the pro-life movement. 
we always have to be on guard. We always have to be on guard and we always have to be thinking forward as well. So whatever, as Todd talks about, the shiny idols that we like to polish in our in our lives, whatever that is for you, yeah, rejoice when things like what happened on Friday and what happened yesterday and these string of wins we've had at the Supreme Court, rejoice when that happens. I posted the verse from Proverbs, um, the, the, the righteous rejoice when justice is done, but it's a terror to evildoers. Um, that only happens, that only happens when we are constantly on guard and we are constantly working and turning the crank forward. No apathy is allowed here. No complacency is allowed here. Whatever that is in your own church and community, whatever that is, I could do that. No, it's time to do that. Well said. We'll come back. Fake news or not, the decline and fall of USA Today. Next. Memo to future marketing partners here at the Steve Day Show. Be very hesitant to include this disclaimer in your talking points. Quote, notes from Eden Pure. Please do not straight read. Feel free to use your own unique style and experience with the product. End quote. I'm no, I don't know this is the show you want to give such an invitation to. Because let me tell you what happens when you do. Terms like fart incarnate end up in your live rate. Because that's my own unique style and experience. Man, we had poker night a week ago Monday. I don't want to name him, Mike. The dude is like a, a human sphincter. I mean, he is a fart incarnate. We had to move him downwind at the poker table to the opposite end of the room. Especially once we found out that uh, the guy who won last month was bringing something with beans in it. Ham and beans, I think it was, to feed everybody. (laughs) Yikes. Trust me, I heard that news. I gave it more than a few Steve Carell. One of those. Thankfully, though, I had my trusty Eden Pure air purifier. I plugged that into the outlet right next to Mike's sphincter. And lo and behold, not a peep all night long. We were able to breathe the free air again thanks to our friends over at Eden Pure. And you don't have to replace the filter because if you did, you'd be replacing it after parking it by Mike for a night. But in this case, no, it's filterless so you don't have to spend a bunch of money on the back end. And we're going to save you a bunch of money on these on the front end as well. Uh, they come in packs of three, and so you'll get 200 bucks off. 200 bucks for an air purifier, man. This is the Joe Biden economy, Steve. Well, it's three. There's three in a pack, okay? So, you know, it's actually fairly affordable individually, but they come three in a pack. We'll give you 200 bucks off with the discount code Steve3 when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Trust me. Trust me. If this thing can stand up to Mike's digestive system, there's probably very little in your home that it cannot stand up to. All right, that's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the discount code Steve3 at EdenPureDeals.com. Are you guys ready for some fake news or not? Sure. Yes. All right, so quick little backstory. Um, 
the author of the Twitter thread that we're not going to get all the way through it because it's long. And I want to have, I want to make sure you guys have time to discuss what we do get through on the back end of this. Okay. But you guys need a little preamble here. I have personally known the author of this Twitter thread for uh, more than a decade. He's actually originally from Iowa and used to be the op-ed page editor at the Washington Times when I worked there. And he ended up leaving and going to USA Today. And when the Des Moines Register hired me to be a, an a opinion columnist, and I turned in my first column and it freaked everybody out. And then they pretended like they never announced on the front page that they were hiring me. Remember that episode? Oh, well. So how a friend row seat, brother. Indeed. So here's how I got to write at the, so that's, that's a Gannett paper. Here's how I got to write for the main Gannett paper, USA Today, is Dave Mastio called me and said, hey, man, we saw what was going on down there at that joke of a paper called The Register. We're going to have you right here for the big club at USA Today. And so over the next few years as a contributor for USA Today, um, and this was not one of those, uh, I, had to, I was the conservative they had a newfound respect for. Like I wrote the official response to the editorial board's claim that football was too dangerous. And I wrote back, you guys want to put women on the front lines of a war to be raped and mutilated and somehow grown men wearing helmets and pads playing a sport is too dangerous. I don't think you care about the danger of football. They published it. One of the most read pieces I've written in my career was defending Duck Dynasty when they tried to cancel them. That was one of the first cancel culture cases ever. And I wrote at that time, it was the second most read column of the year at USA Today. Uh, I, I wrote a column about Windsor, the first gay marriage opinion. And uh, I, I accused the justices of who, who signed off on gay marriage of being bigots because they didn't sign off on polygamy and everything else, too. Who are they to limit uh, the expand? The, how are they to limit by their own narrow mindedness what the true definition of marriage is? I mean, I got to tackle any cultural issue I wanted yeah. to, guys. And Dave's not, by the way, not a right winger. If anything, he's kind of a free speecher libertarian type. He's not a right winger. He just hates censorship. And with him as the op-ed page editor over there, I got to cover all kinds of stuff and write about it in one of, if not the biggest, most read newspaper in America. So with that as a backdrop, from my own personal experience, getting to write, and this was just in the last decade, about hardcore culture war, hot button issues. And they never like edited it to the point that I said, oh, that's not my voice. Take it. I mean, I got to go there, guys. They let me go there. And that's why I think it's important for you to know that backdrop as we go through this Twitter thread. All right. Because what he writes about here is the decline and fall of USA Today. Did you send me that link? Because I don't have it, by the way. Yep, just uh, did. Okay. Um, and this is a pretty exhaustive Twitter thread that Dave lays out why he lost his job there and why USA Today has given up, essentially, on free speech. All right, I still don't have it. I'll just read it off the screen. Okay. All right. So after 25 years associated with Gannett and USA Today, I've got some things to say about how the company is going off the rails, wokeism is taking over, and conservatives are being purged. And he wrote, a, he wrote an op-ed about it for the New York Post. I'm partially to blame because I didn't speak up publicly until the axe fell on me. Dave was one of those that thought Trump was going to wreck everything and uh, basically became a Trump is the devil kind of guy. 
And so he aligned with the people on the left in the newsroom who said the same thing and then then learned a harsh lesson that when they got done purging us, they weren't going to spare him either. No one that has an independent thought will be permitted, regardless of what you think of Donald Trump. And that's what he's going to talk about here. I didn't speak up publicly until the axe fell on me. I was demoted for tweeting that women are the people who get pregnant. A braying mob of my colleagues demanded I be fired for making the workplace, quote, unsafe. But before we get to me, here's what happens across the country before Gannett announced this month that it was shuttering or scaling back all of its daily opinion pages across dozens of states, including USA Today, where again, I used to be a contributor. USA Today's editorial page editor, Kristen Dell, said it was because opinion pages across the country or across the company had to quote or had failed to quote evolve. Gannett's local opinion pages have evolved plenty, but in recent years, readers have concluded they just don't like what they've evolved into. Over the last decade, Gannett has purged the conservative voices at its local papers. There used to be dozens of feisty conservative opinion pages, often with a staff of one or two. Now there are none. How do I know? Every day for years, a memo has gone out sharing local opinion that would be of interest nationwide. Conservatives don't appear there much anymore beyond a few freelancers. At regional papers like the Indianapolis Star, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and the Daily Oklahoman, storied and influential conservative editorial pages have been replaced with a bland corporate liberalism. Only one is left, the Arizona Central. For instance, in New Jersey, three of Gannett's papers endorsed the Republican for governor only a few years ago, but in 2021, none of them did. The intellectually diverse local editorial boards were replaced with a statewide liberal board that endorsed the Democrat. What about editorial cartoonists? All the conservatives are gone. What about local staff columnists? R.J. Robb in Arizona is the last holdout across 200-plus daily newspapers. Guys, I just wrote for this publication. I was one of their contributors just like seven or eight years ago. When they let go of the rope, it goes fast. Let's continue. Local editorial page editors who dare to publish something controversial and conservative can't be sure it will run. Junior staffers at regional design centers can overrule them. Junior staffers spiking copy in the print editions. The inmates are literally running the asylum here is what that means. The children. I've got the rest of the thread up here. Would you like me to read? Yeah, go ahead. Local editorial page editors who do dare to publish something controversial and conservative can't be sure it will run. Junior staffers at regional design centers can overrule them spiking copy. Junior staffers spiking copy copy in the print edition. You want to know why Gannett's opinion pages died? They were murdered when corporate wokeism replaced intellectually diverse voices in touch with communities, substituting a standardized liberalism out of place in many towns served by the newspaper giant. So what about USA Today? There the story is the same. Newsroom leaders like Del Guzzi and Nicole Carroll are cowed by the young activists of a newsroom diversity committee who want to silence any voices who raise doubts about the extreme diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda. At USA Today, they give copies of columns to the Newsroom Diversity Committee to review and edit. So much for the wall between news and opinion. If a column isn't spiked, if it is controversial, she'll pad the impact by running a phalanx of lib columns on the same subject. When the Diversity Committee doesn't get advanced notice... Its members and supporters root around an unpublished copy looking for things to censor. 
One of the editors who did this to one of my columns was promoted from Atlanta to corporate HQ for her trouble. When it comes to the diversity uh, and inclusiveness agenda at USA Today, no opinion is too extreme for the news pages and no dissenting voices are allowed. A perfect example is another person's take on the poor, misunderstood pedophiles. 1,000 words and no disagreement with the premise. So what brought my career at USA Today to a flaming end? That's a funny story. Young woke activists on the staff have been fighting for months to scrub the discriminatory and quote-unquote hateful phrase, pregnant women, from USA Today. Last August, they finally succeeded in replacing it with pregnant people in a breaking news alert after the CDC used the same language. All right, I, we, can, we can probably pause there. I think from there it goes into his personal story about what they did to him, but we, we kind of know what the impetus for all of that was. It's the it's the gender madness. But that was really just an impetus to go where they wanted to go all along. So this is, it, 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 it's, it's sad to hear, none of it is surprising whatsoever. So Todd, your reaction, I'll start with you. Uh, this is uh, retitled, uh, I told you so, a totters and story. Uh, 12 years at the register, you know, listen, I, I saw this coming a mile away. Uh, I became a pariah because I told everybody there that this is, was exactly going to happen. The one part I didn't know early on, and that is what Steve discussed earlier on in the show today, is how badly they really wanted it to happen. You know, it took me a while to figure out, oh, they don't care about the bottom line about this thing. That's how far uh, the cultishness goes. But it, this reminds me of the guy who was my boss at the register for a while, Rick Green. Like I said, I uh, Steve left the register the year before I got there. I was there for 12 years. And Rick Green was the guy, fairly new at the time. He actually agreed that Steve Dace was required there. And Randy Evans, who was the editorial page editor, is a good man and still a friend of mine. He is generally a man of the left, but he believed it too. Uh, Randy knew who Steve was. Rick really didn't. And so they said, yeah, go ahead. We need that kind of guy. And then came the wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then Rick, like this guy, could have done something about it, but didn't. Rick also came to me right before I started for Steve. And like a miracle. I thought it was the closest thing to a miracle I might ever see in my life. Shorting of, shorted of my wife saying yes to me. He said, Todd, I've been thinking about it. You've been, uh, it's, I think it's your turn. I want you to write six co- conservative columns for me. And I'm gonna, I might make you the conservative columnist at the register. I did it. And then it came time from corporate for all of us to apply for our jobs. And Rick could have fought then. But it's, nope. I got caught in the slipstream, and it all works out for good. I'm here. But he didn't fight then. This was so easy to see. I even went into his office at one point, and this is what I've got thinking of coming to me. I said, get rid of the editor. He, he said, every person in the, on staff, come talk to me. Whatever ideas you have. I said, get rid of the editorial page. You'll have three sections in every newspaper on the front page you will have the regular straight up news and then you will have the blue and the red and they will come at it from that you the same stories from three different ideas it'll be like having the two newspaper town that we used to have steve Mm -hmm. they used to hold each other accountable we could still do that now i didn't expect it to happen but listen i I mean it's the there was no chance of that happen i didn't i didn't know then because we're dealing with a cult here 
And it's sad that it took a decent guy like this to learn it the hard way. Dog starts barking in your neighborhood in the middle of the night. Go to that dog. Why are you barking? And if the dog could reply, it would say, because I'm a dog. David Mastio had planted himself a little field of crops and had given the main field of crops over to the locusts. You can't go to a locust and say, why, why didn't you leave mine alone? I gave you their locusts. I heard a buzzing. I heard a flock of locusts or whatever you call it, a horde, a swarm of locusts while this was being read and I read it because this is what they do. Making things full circle again. They are, they, they have, they believe they have dominion over everything and bit by bit by bit, as David points out in that Twitter thread, they took it over. They took that word over word by word, literally word by word. Literally, they take things over. And you thought that you could just have your little patch of crops that you could keep for yourself. Yep. Give away everything else. Why are you coming after my... I'm a locust. That's what I do. That's what I do. That's who they are. Because, again, tying things full circle, the progressive mindset, the inner monologue, is ye be like God. And that's on display very poignantly in that uh, in that thread and there is another lesson there which you touched on too that there is nothing you can offer the spirit of the age nothing other than complete and total submission those are its terms complete and total submission there is nothing else that you can offer it no alm you can make. No burnt offering. Anything short of complete and utter and total submission. And you might as well change your own name to literally Hitler. Whether it's Palin derangement syndrome, Trump derangement syndrome, DeSantis derangement syndrome, it doesn't matter. Gender derangement syndrome, it doesn't matter. Complete and total submission or nothing. Those are its terms. So the idea that you're, you're going to be viewed as, well, not one of like those other kinds of types. Oh, yes, you are. Maybe just a little bit later than the rest of us. John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.